Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Passing Places. It's my personal podcast about my travels around Scotland, usually by motorhome but also by motorcycle, which might be the case next week, and with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. Thanks again to Myra Green for her music Passing Places, which I use for my intros. And you can catch up with Myra Green at myragreen.com or jump on to bonnytours.com and you'll find a link to her website just there. Now you find me on the beautiful island of Isla. It's a lovely, glorious sunny morning and I'm with my brother for four or five days and he's kindly walked into Port Charlotte for a, an hour or two to give me the space to record the podcast. So this week's episode is mainly about Isla and what a wonderful place it really is. And before we get into that, let's have a quick uh, shout out to some people that have been in touch over the last week since uh, episode 13. Okay, so firstly, mainly off of Facebook, I'd like to mention Andrew Mack. I think he lives in Selkirk or nearby in the borders. And Andrew visits Jura every year. It's his favourite place in Scotland. I did consider getting over to Jura this week, but there's been so many other things to do that I haven't really found the time, so I'll need to uh, drop into Jura the next time. If you do get up to Isla, I'd certainly recommend Jura. It's a spectacular island with the mountains, uh, much more hilly than Isla. And there's a hotel and little campsite there. It's uh, only a five-minute ferry jump from Port Askeg. So uh, maybe I'll get to Jura next time. I'd like to mention a chap called Kevin Lawrence. When I was speaking to my brother about uh, this trip, he mentioned that his work colleague Kevin listens to the podcast. So thanks, Kevin, and I hope you keep listening. I'd also like to mention uh, Michael McDonald, who, from his comment on Facebook, I think he described the Lagavulin distillery photograph as his temple. So I presume, like me, he likes uh, Isla Malts, and his favourite's probably Lagavulin. Cammy Cameron, who I keep in touch with on Facebook, was asking about the motorbikes. And it's true, I haven't been out on the Bonneville at all this year, but uh, I'm meeting up with a friend of mine on Saturday evening, and we're hoping to sort out a trip on the motorbikes next week, and if not next week, sometime very soon. David Church has been in touch as well. I think David's uh, a keen surfer, from what I can see on his Facebook page. And he was asking about uh, Macker Bay, one of the lovely beaches that I visited earlier in the week. He was asking if there was anybody surfing, and there was nobody. So, like many beaches in the Hebrides, if you enjoy your water sports, your surfing, and you can certainly turn up and you'll have the place to yourself. A couple of people who love Isla... Um, Eleonora, uh, I wonder if that's where her name partly comes from, Eleonora Sharp, uh, mentioned that she loves Isla, and uh, Isla's, Eleonora's an ex-colleague of mine, and Sylvia, who is also on Facebook, uh, Her fa- one of her favourite places is Isla, so I'm glad you both like it, I can see why. Katrina Young, who is a regular contributor as well, she mentioned before I came over that one of her relatives works on the Finlagen which is the ferry which you catch from Kenna Craig to come over to Isla. And I had half hoped I might uh, speak to a relative who's one of the crew, but uh, I'll try and 
See if I can do that on the return trip on Saturday. I also had a contact on my website from Vernon, who's the chap who's heavily involved in running the forum freemotorhoming.co.uk. Now, he's out and about in Scotland just now with, uh, I think, probably four vans, a little group of people who are doing the Grand Tour of Scotland. And I'm hoping that maybe next week I can catch up with Vernon and his friends and say hello for the first time. So thanks for keeping in touch, Vernon. Now on Twitter, I'd like to mention a chap called, um, well, his handle on Twitter is Armin, A-R-M-I-N. So that's at Armin on Twitter. And he runs islablog.com. And he's a regular blogger, covers all aspects of Isla. So it's a a good uh, website to visit if you're interested in Isla. And I find it uh, helpful just to catch up on some of the places. It's 11 years since I was last on Isla. So thanks, Armin, and uh, maybe one day we'll catch up on Isla. Now, I've mentioned the fact that uh, I really do benefit from the iTunes reviews, and I think I've got 11 or 12 now on the UK iTunes store. I haven't had uh, Wi-Fi all week, so I've been unable to check the reviews or who actually placed them. But I'll give you a shout-out next week. Um, I really do appreciate the fact that you're leaving comments for me. And if people do uh, leave me a review, it really does help the podcast maintain its presence on the iTunes store. So if you've left a review, I'll try and give you a mention next week. And thanks again. So this week's episode is all about Isla. It's a beautiful, a really gorgeous Hebridean island. It's often referred to as the Queen of the Hebrides. And it's an island which is it's uh, not very hilly. There's uh, one small hill, I think it's maybe 13, 1400 feet in height. But it's a very fertile island, quite large in terms of uh, Scottish islands. And it has some fantastic uh, beaches. It's famous for its uh, malt whisky distilleries. And it has some lovely villages and towns. And it has a major part, or it did play a major part, uh, it has a major legacy in the whole richness of Scottish history. Um, Isla was the seat of the Lord of the Isles and Clan Donald, and their um, location at Finlagen was where the Lord of the Isles resided. And I think through the 13th, 14th and 15th centuries, the Lord of the Isles controlled a huge part of the west coast of Scotland and played a major part in the ongoing um, struggles to control Scotland. And finally, the Lord of the Isles gave way to um, James IV of Scotland in the 15th century. And the dominance of the West Coast was in part due to their own background in history. They developed their expertise in sailing using ships developed from Viking longships. And they used the, the galleys for both trade and to patrol the islands on the west coast. And that allowed them to control large parts of the mainland as well, through Ardnamurchan and beyond. So it's a, an island, as I say, with a fantastic history. And if you visit today, it's a, it's a very peaceful place. And I think I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes about what I called the Isla Wave. When I was here 11 years ago, I remember the surprise of coming off the ferry and Every car, and there's not many, but when cars passed, 
in the opposite direction, you would get a wave. So a week on Isla, 11 years ago, I spent the entire week waving at people. And when we got off the ferry, this time I was saying to my brother, let's see if the Isla wave is still around. And sure enough, I'm not uh, certain it's quite as prevalent as it was, but I would say two-thirds of every car or van uh, drivers that pass you by will at least lift a hand or wave. So it's a very nice gesture. It's very friendly, and I think the the island itself has that uh, warm welcome, that feeling that uh, it's a peaceful, relaxing place to um, spend some time. So I travelled up from the Central Belt on Tuesday morning and caught the one o'clock ferry from Kenna Craig. Now Kenna Craig is just down, it's at the top of the Mullican Tire. If you go down through Loch Gilphead to Tarbert, another 10 minutes down the road, you'll come to the Kenna Craig ferry terminal. Now at this time of year, the ferry, it was reasonably busy, but you'd probably have to book if you were coming in the peak season. And it's a two hour crossing. The ferry is the Finlagen, which is, I think, the newest ferry in the Caledonia McBrain fleet. It's a, a big step up from the ferry I remember 11 years ago because it has proper lounge facilities and cafeterias and all the things you'd expect almost on a cross-channel ferry but on a smaller scale. had a lovely crossing, the weather was, was good and the views coming over of Jura in particular are excellent and we came into um, Port Askeg this time. The ferry also goes to Port Ellen and it just varies between the two the two ports. Now I think there's only two campsites on Isla, although there are ample opportunities for sensible wild camping if you're in a camper van or motorhome. I'm staying at uh, Port Moore, which is just uh, a couple of minutes outside Port Charlotte and it's a community centre, it's a community-run facility. They have, I think, 10 hard-standing pitches with electrical hookup and a campsite adjacent. The centre has a whole range of facilities, including a cafe and shower and toilet block, so a football park in the middle makes it uh, feel very different from most campsites that you're likely to stay on. But you have lovely views across to Bowmore and the mountains of Jura behind, so very good site. The other one is a site with no electrical hookup, it's a farm, can't remember the name offhand but I'll put it in the show notes, and it's uh, very popular as well, but uh, certainly less facilities, I'm sure there's a toilet and shower block but they don't have electrical hookup. As I said uh, earlier, it's a fantastic sunny day here in Isla. You can probably just hear there's a bit of a sea breeze which is blowing in occasionally, which is rocking the van a little bit. (laughs) And I've shut all the windows to keep the noise level down, so I won't be sitting in here for too long. I'll be uh, roasting. It's like a greenhouse. So anyway, on Wednesday, uh, I went over, highlights of the day, I went over to Macker Bay, which is a fantastic uh, sand dunes and deserted beach and this is where some people I think uh, go surfing but it's one of at least or at least a dozen superb beaches around Isla and certainly at this time of year and probably even in the summer 
you'll find that they're largely crowd-free, so you can explore the beaches in Isla. Um, there's a couple of pictures I put on Facebook of the Macker Bay beach. And then I went off to the Lagavulin Whiskey Distillery. Now, Isla's famous for its uh, very peaty, smoky malt whiskies, and Lagavulin is my favourite. And the distillery itself is a, is a lovely building, a great location on the shoreline, so it's uh, very uh, picturesque. It's almost an iconic-looking Isla distillery. And the tour guide was a very pleasant chap, and uh, he was very informative, but it was a little bit disappointing. And I say that because the whiskey distilleries in Isla are part of the, I suppose, the, the ongoing um, consolidation of the drinks industry. So Lagavulin is not, uh, or is no longer an independent producer of Isla Malt Whiskey. It's owned by the Diageo Group. And as the popularity of malt whiskies has grown, and some of these independent distilleries have been taken over by the bigger corporate organisations, it was very clear that the whole process of making whisky is changing for some of these distilleries. When I visited the Laphroaig distillery 11 years ago, I'm pretty certain that they were doing their own maltings. If you look at the chimneys that you see on the distilleries, the barley comes in and it's it's dried above a peat fire and that uh, smoke adds quite a bit of the flavour to the barley before it's then milled and taken on to the next stage. Now that whole sort of maltings phase is now being centralised and there's a big maltings operation down in Port Ellen which is owned by Diageo. So that part of the process is no longer taking place at uh, Lagavulin. And also the barley which would have been sourced in Isla historically, it was quite clear talking to the guide that the barley is basically sourced from all over the world and the criteria that he said is used is the highest quality barley they can find each year. You know, and I wouldn't uh, be too cynical, but I would imagine it's a combination of quality and price. So the barley isn't being sourced directly from Isla another part of the process which has been removed. And when we got through the distillery and saw the fermentation process and the distillation of the whisky, we got to the point where it's placed in the barrels. And again, this was another very quiet part of the distillery. No evidence of any uh, barrels being filled or any evidence that barrels had been filled in recent times, if anything. All I could see was a lot of uh, dusty machinery and a couple of old dusty barrels. And it seemed to me there was a tanker outside that the spirit is being removed from the distillery and is being taken to some of Diageo's larger plants in the mainland. They have a, a number of uh, big operations, including one over at Alawa. So I do wonder whether the whiskey's even been put in barrels on Isla. And when again, when we talked to the guide, it was clear that the storage of the whisky isn't necessarily on Isla either. Uh, barrels of uh, Lagavulin are stored in different locations, again, in Diageo's facilities in different parts of the, uh, certainly in Scotland. So when the 
bottle is laid down for uh, 16 years. Um, it's my favourite uh, Lagavulin. It could be lying in uh, Clackmannanshire for that time. There was obviously no bottling of Lagavulin going on in the distillery as well, so I presume the bottling is taking place off-island. So whilst it's absolutely clear that the fermentation and distillation of the whisky is still on that site, a number of parts of the process have been uh, moved elsewhere for, no doubt, economic reasons. And the guide was keen to stress that as the popularity of Lagavulin and Isla Malts grows, then it's impossible to meet demand purely from local uh, barley and the storage facilities just aren't there on Isla. So a number of reasons, possible excuses, I felt, um, as to how the, the process has evolved in the last uh, 10, 20 years. So I was I was a little bit uh, disappointed by the whole Lagavulin experience. There is a distillery which has opened and just opened in 2005 and I think it's Kilhoman. It's spelt Kilchoman, but I think in the Gaelic ch CH is, is an H. So Kilhoman Distillery. And I visited there as well and first thing that struck me was you arrived through the shop and the whiskey was £60, £70 a bottle plus and that uh, there's probably a cheaper one that I missed there but it was quite expensive but they are uh, following the traditional process and using uh, locally sourced barley in Isla so I didn't explore the process there in full detail but it was quite clear that they're putting a bit more effort into the authenticity of the process and the ingredients so maybe that's the distillery that you should visit we will cram in another distillery visit I think today which is down to Bowmore it'll be interesting to see how the Bowmore distillery is operating but if you like uh, malt whisky and you like the particular distinctive characteristics of the Isla malts then a visit to Isla is probably like a visit to paradise so once I've finished the podcast I'll go over to Finlagen. There's a little museum there and you can see the small islands in the loch where the seat of the Lord of the Isles was in the 13th, 14th, 15th centuries. I think it's a must-visit site and even if you're not that keen on history, it just puts the whole island in context. It's amazing to think that Isla was one of the political capitals of Scotland for centuries. So I'm looking forward to our visit to Finlagen. And as I say, we might manage to get down to the Bowmore Distillery later today. But if this weather keeps up, I think it's a case of getting the chairs out and enjoying the sunshine on a beach somewhere. So I'm going to sign off now because I'm sure my brother's due back shortly. And it does take, or for me anyway, I'd still like a bit of privacy. That was a skid jumping around there. I do like a bit of privacy when I'm doing the podcast. It's funny, I can talk to people through the podcast but uh, I'm not keen on people uh, being around or adjacent to me when I'm trying to record so let's uh, bring this to a close and I've no idea where I'll be next week uh, I'll try and uh, make put a post on my website as to what I'm about I'm thinking there might be a chance I'll be off the motorbikes which would be a nice switch from the, the motorhome and uh, please please uh, keep in touch get in get onto the website and leave a comment or two. I didn't have a voicemail from the website this week, so why don't you nip on to 
website and leave a, a free voicemail. You can also catch up with me on Twitter at Bonnie Tours. And if you go onto Facebook, type into the search box Passing Places Podcast and you'll find the the group there that you can uh, join and you can keep in touch from there. I think uh, I keep forgetting to mention my email address. You can email me anytime at... Um, the email address is feedback, feedback at bonnytours.com. So I've clipped this episode a little bit, given the fact I have company, and I'll look forward to catching up with you all next week, wherever I am in Scotland. So if you're in Scotland at any time in the near future, hopefully we'll get uh, a chance to catch up. And in the meantime, stay safe and thanks again for listening. I'll just play us out with uh, Myrid Green's Passing Places music. <laughs>